The first reading is taken from Psalm 46, which can be found on page 570 of the Pew Bibles. Psalm 46, page 570. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. This is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. second reading comes from 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 3 to 19, and it's found on page 1195 of the Church Bibles. 1195. This passage is headed, Encouragement to be Faithful. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. 
Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will sp spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray for a moment, please? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Encouragement is so important, so important in what can often be troubled and confusing times. All of us need encouragement from time to time, whether we like it or not, whether we even admit it or not, we all need encouragement. And that's really what the church is about, isn't it? That we would, together in our fellowship, be an encouragement to one another. A couple of uh, quotes that I found um, when I was thinking about this. Correction does much, but encouragement does more. It's always so easy to criticize, but it's much better to encourage and another one, most of us swimming against the tides of trouble the world knows nothing about need only a bit of praise or encouragement and we will make the goal. Encouragement can make a great deal of difference to someone who is concerned, worried, apprehensive, not sure about what they're doing. And just that word of encouragement, especially to young people, can help them to achieve their goal. The Duke of Wellington was not an easy man to serve under. He was brilliant, demanding, and not one to shower compliments on his, uh, uh, his colleagues. Yet even he realized that his methods left something to be desired. In old age, he was asked if there was anything he would do differently if he had to live his life over again. And he thought for a moment, and then he replied, I'd give more praise. Isn't that interesting? Encouragement is all about building confidence, motivating and inspiring. And that's exactly what Paul is doing in this epistle. His purpose is to encourage Timothy in his ministry and inspire him to a confident evangelism. Paul provides Timothy with a number of what I'm going to call faith anchors as the basis of his encouragement. An anchor is what stabilizes a boat when the seas around are choppy and difficult. When I was growing up in Kilkeel in County Down, uh, we could look out the back window of our house down to the harbour and we could see the boats coming in and out. And way back then, um, not all of them were deep sea trawlers. Some of them did more inshore fishing and we could see them go out 
the waters were choppy, it was windy, and things were a bit shaky. I wouldn't have liked to have been on one of them. But they, they anchored out from the shore a bit, and they spent a, a number of hours just anchored and fishing um, not far from the shore. And it was that anchor that held those boats firm and secure in, in the choppy waters. And I've also discovered that the anchor was a symbol that has been used in early Christian history. And it was a symbol of security and hope. Of course, in the very early church, during the persecutions, they did use symbols to help to recognize each other. We're familiar with the fish symbol, but the anchor also was one of those symbols. Um, There's an old hymn that I've known since my childhood, Um, Ask the question, will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? And in Hebrews, the writer tells us in chapter 6, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul. There's something very strong about that word anchor, an anchor of the soul, firm and secure. Our hope in Christ is the anchor of our soul. So Paul's encouragement is very obviously going to be very important to the young Timothy. But it's not of the sentimental type. It's robust and direct. And he starts off in verse 3 saying, Endure hardship with us as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So he's not painting a picture of a nice, easy life. And then he gives three examples of what might be expected of him. First of all, focus. The soldier is focused on the directions of his commanding officer and is not to be distracted by civilian affairs. And secondly, commitment. The athlete who wants to win the prize must be completely committed to act in conformity to the rules, both in training and in performance. And we've known that in some cases, even in the Olympic Games, people have been disqualified because they haven't kept the rules. And Paul uses this picture of the athlete. And I was just watching some people preparing for the next marathon at the next Olympics on television yesterday. I was thinking of the enormous amount of commitment that they put into that. So that's the second thing that Paul says to him here. Focus, commitment will be required, and persistence He talks about the hard-working farmer as opposed to the one who's lazy. He is the one who's entitled to reap the rewards of his labours. All those early mornings and late nights with little time off are what is required to ensure a good harvest. I was brought up in a farming community and I often saw the farmers go home late at night and I knew they were up early in the morning looking after their cattle and so on and I had friends who were, in the, were farmers so their, their life was very full and if they were going to get the results from their cattle, from their fields they had to keep at it, persistence no matter what the weather and of course as you know in Northern Ireland the weather isn't always very congenial to farming so there, those are three things that uh, Paul says you will be required of you Focus, commitment, persistence. And these illustrations make it clear that the call to Christian service is a tough call. It's not to be taken lightly. Now, this could have been rather disconcerting and somewhat discouraging for the young Timothy, but Paul doesn't leave it there. 
Paul reminds Timothy that it's important to reflect on what has been said. So the first faith anchor that I want to mention is to remember, and what does he say? That it's the Lord who will give understanding and insight as he develops his ministry. So whatever fears or apprehensions he might feel, he just needs to stop, reflect, and listen because the Lord will give him the understanding he needs. And that's something I think we can also take as a faith anchor when we face situations that are new or difficult or challenging. We need to listen. Don't need to be apprehensive because the Lord will provide us with the insight and wisdom that we need to make the right judgments. And all of us have judgments to make in different situations. We need the wisdom of God to make those judgments. There are times in life when we ourselves or others we know are feeling less than confident about something we or they have been asked to do. Or a circumstance arises um, that is particularly challenging and needs a high degree of insight and expertise. So the faith anchor is to remember, to take time to reflect, to pray, to rely on God's wisdom, which is always available when we ask. I love that verse in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all. He gives generously to all without finding fault. Sometimes we think, you know, we can't ask God something because we're not, we haven't done the right thing or we're not good enough. Nonsense. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And that generous gift of wisdom would have been given to Timothy too. This anchors us into dependence upon the Holy Spirit to lead and direct us. We're not left alone to navigate the storms of life. In verse 8, in a very few words, Paul encapsulates the whole spectrum of salvation history. Paul is just amazing. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. And this is another faith anchor. Right, brings you right back to the core of the gospel. Jesus the Messiah, descended from David. The implication that he fulfilled all the prophecies that were made about him in the Old Testament. And then Jesus raised from the dead the living word of God. This is the essential truth of the gospel entrusted to Paul and to be passed on through Timothy. This is the truth for which Paul is willing to suffer. He is in chains because of his confident sharing of the truth about Jesus Christ And yes, I am going to mention the one that Charles mentioned. We must have been in tune with this spirit. Here we have another faith anchor, which I think is amazing. God's word is not changed. Remember, God's word is not changed. It is the living, dynamic, active word of truth that can never be chained or fettered. What an encouragement this must have been to Timothy and to Paul in times of difficulty and persecution. And indeed, it's so appropriate for our own times. There are so many places in the world where Christians are forbidden to share their faith or even to gather together in fellowship. Yet, the internet and radio airwaves are able to take the truth across borders that people cannot cross. Isn't that wonderful? 
And they bring the message of the gospel to dark places. God's word is not chained. And we should be using modern technology to send that word across the world. I have some friends who have a mission called Christian Vision. And they have a wonderful website called Yes, He Is. And anyone can access that website anywhere in the world. And you can find um, little videos there on, on particular aspects of Christian truth or on ethical issues or on family issues, all kinds of things that are there. And uh, once Tracy showed me a map they have of the, of the world on their computer. And you could see on that map everywhere in the world that people were accessing that website at that moment. And I don't think I've ever seen anything that quite amazed me so much because there were people accessing that website in countries that no Christian could ever go in or preach and little places all over the world, not just in, in, in Europe, not just in Britain, but literally all over the world. So you see, God's word is not chained. Hallelujah. And then in verses 11 to 13, Paul here is quoting. These lines are likely to have been from an ancient hymn or from a collection of short sayings that were intended to bring, inspire faithfulness and hope. And they aptly sum up another one of Paul's faith anchors. Remember God's faithfulness. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. God cannot be untrue to himself. He is utterly faithful in every circumstance. Sometimes that may seem difficult, but he is utterly faithful. No human failure can alter God's trustworthiness and faithfulness. And the theme of God's faithfulness is picked up in Psalm 46 that we just had read to us. The psalm upon which Luther based his famous and mighty hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now this psalm was probably written following Sennacherib's attack on Jerusalem. The Assyrians had already wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel and were now threatening Judah. But their attack on Jerusalem failed. God was with them in troubled times. And the psalmist glories in the fact of his presence with his people his real and unassailable protection. So this faith anchor is, remember, God's faithful presence is with you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your circumstance. That is how Timothy would have heard it. Verses 7 and 11 repeat the refrain, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, and... I, I often read that, and it's repeated twice in the psalm, but I've come to understand that it has rich meaning, richer than I had formerly thought. The Lord Almighty, or the Lord of hosts, as probably it's more properly translated in the King James Version, is God's title of divine power. The God of Jacob is his title of covenant relationship. And the little phrase, is with us, is his name, Emmanuel, which we've heard many times in the Christmas carol services, meaning God with us. So this great, mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is also the God of Jacob, the God of 
people, the God of his people, the God of relationship, and he is with us. The transcendent God is also Emmanuel, God with us. The mighty God of covenant love is ever-present. He is seriously faithful. Paul then goes on to encourage Timothy to focus on God's word, the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. He's advised to avoid worthless and foolish discussions which do more harm than good and often succeed in driving people away from the truth. Wrong teaching and speculative ideas can be destructive to the church. Some in this case were, for example, denying the resurrection. And in our day, there are other issues that arise <clears throat> that people uh, want to change or speculate about the development of the teaching of the church rather than accept God's word as true. The faith anchor here is that God's solid foundation stands firm. It cannot be shaken. We are reminded in Ephesians 2.20 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So the church is based on a firm foundation, the word of God. This is an important faith anchor for us in the current climate of concern about the decline of the church in the West and also in the face of assaults on the church in many countries around the world where its existence is denied and individual members are subject to cruel persecution. And sometimes we <clears throat> see so much bad news in our newspapers, on the media. Um, I, do, I do listen to the news a lot and sometimes I think, be nice to hear some good news sometimes. And also when we read about what's happening to the church around the world, you know, it can be e very easy to become depressed and so and saddened about it. But God's firm foundations for his church can never be shaken. The church will never be overcome because it's in the hands of the mighty God, the Lord of hosts. And that would have been such a great encouragement to Timothy, who was about to launch out into a world that was certainly not Christian, um, to, to share the gospel. Peter, in his epistle, quotes the prophet Isaiah, The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And the final faith anchor that I found here is this last phrase, The Lord knows those who are his. God knows who has genuine faith, and each one is called to live according to God's truth. We're not called to judge another's faith. It's sufficient that the Lord knows and we fulfill our calling to share the good news of Christ and to live a life that breathes his purity, truth, love and compassion into every context in which we find ourselves at work, in the home, in the church and further afield should that be God's purpose for us. There are seven faith anchors there. Remember that it's the Lord who will give understanding and insight. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is the gospel. Remember, God's word is not chained. Remember, 
God's faithfulness. Remember God's presence is with you. Remember God's solid foundation stands firm. Remember the Lord knows those who are his. These are the faith anchors we need to put in place in our minds and hearts for our encouragement, just as they were the basis of Paul's encouragement to Timothy. You will also be able to add other personal faith anchors as you experience God's love and faithfulness in every circumstance of your life. These will be the stabilizers we need in times of doubt, fear, apprehension, challenge, and difficulty. They will also be the motivators of our gratitude and praise. Over the years, um, I've gathered a, a number of faith anchors, and I just want to share two or three of those with you briefly. One is Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's been a faith anchor for me many times in my life when God has called me out, sometimes unexpectedly, to move location, to do something completely different, um, and at this point in time, to make a move back to Northern Ireland. But that's been a faith anchor of mine when I wasn't sure what lay ahead or what indeed I would be called upon to do I knew that he knew and that he would never let me go. And one that I um, learned in Sunday school a long time ago, Philippians 4.13 is a, a verse that has stayed with me as a faith anchor all my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there have been many times when I've been asked to do things uh, both as a young person growing up and as a young teacher and in, in the different jobs and roles that I've had over the years, when I've gone back to that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And another one is John 1.14, probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that always brings me back to the core of what I believe. It brings me back to the center of the gospel. It brings me back to that wonderful event, the incarnation, that the great God of the universe became flesh for us came to live among us, lived and died so that I could live, rose again so that we could know his peace, his power, his love in our lives. And I love that phrase, full of grace and truth. And I think those are marks of the Christian, or should be the marks of the Christian because they were the marks of the life of Jesus. As you read your Bible from day to day and remember to reflect and to listen, you will be able to make a collection of faith anchors. Perhaps you could even put them down in a little notebook because they will be a strength to you in the future um, many times. And you can add them to those that we've considered uh, from Paul's encouragement to Timothy today.
The chorus of that old hymn asserts, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. So may your faith anchors hold you firm and safe. May the Lord richly bless you and the Holy Spirit encourage you as you continue to walk with him through all the future he has in store for you. Amen.